Section 15 of Birds and Nature, Volume 10, Number 3, October 1901. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. A Libel on the Birds A few days ago I was watching the curious actions of a sparrow on the sidewalk in a rather quiet part of town. On either side of the street were lofty brick and stone buildings, with the usual multiplicity of little niches and cavities in and about the projecting cornices and ornamental architecture. These sheltered and inviting ledges had been utilized from year to year by diverse smaller tribes of the feathered folk as nest-building sites, and the little bird which had attracted my attention, had already laid the foundation timbers of its prospective house in a cosy niche of the cornice almost directly over my head where I was standing. It was plainly evident that this sprightly creature was seeking sticks of proper length and strength to barricade a broad hiatus in the front part of the cavity it had chosen for its future home. This opening was angular in form, with the vertex at the bottom and its sides separating outwards towards the top, where there was a span of perhaps four or five inches. As I stood with my elbow resting against the low paling, the confiding sparrow hopped to within a yard or two of my feet in searching for tiny twigs that had fallen from the overhanging shrubbery. It picked up a great many pieces and as quickly dropped them. Then it would stand perfectly still for a few minutes, intently scanning the limited landscape as if in a brown study as to what move it should next make. Finally, it set vigorously to work, picking up bits of material from an inch or two to six inches in length. Instead of flying away with a load, it dropped them in a little heap nearly, if not quite, parallel to each other. Then, poking its beak into the pile and throwing the sticks hither and thither, it settled down to practical business by seizing a stick of medium length and flying away with its burden dangling in the air. Of course, I watched the little architect and saw her mount straight up to the chosen ledge and deposit the twig exactly crosswise of the gaping notch. This operation she repeated several times, always throwing the sticks about as if intent upon selecting a piece of special dimensions. No human carpenter with measuring rule in his hand could have been more expert. In a moment the truth flashed into my mind, and I realized that I was verily the human pupil of a little bird made famous by honored mention in Holy Writ. Why, the cunning worker had foreseen, to the ridicule of my own confessed stupidity, that in order to effectually bar the exposed side of the chamber it must of necessity select girders of successively increasing length and size. Thus, as I fancied it reasoned, a short stick would not span the top of the dangerous gap, while on the other hand a long stick could not be used at the bottom because it would strike 
smack against the side walls before it could be placed in position low enough. So all this clearly explained why the bird should exercise such studied care in selecting the large timbers. A few days afterwards I visited the scene of operations again, and by using an opera glass found that the nest was very nearly if not quite finished. The menacing gap in the ledge no longer existed, for there was a solid bulkhead in its stead composed of longitudinal sticks tied and stiffened by interwoven bits of dry grass and such shreds of various waste material as only bird intelligence knows where to find. More interested now than ever, I took pains to climb into the attic of the three-story building, where, from a narrow gable window, I could look obliquely down into the pretty nest now neatly lined with tiny feathers and thistle-down. So much, then, for the sparrows and their house-building. I say sparrows now, for during my later observations I had seen both Mr. and Mrs. Sparrow diligently working together. But to advert now to our alleged libel on the birds, I have only to say that it is very convenient for great men and ponderous books to tell us that the lower animals perform their actions by means of a tendency called instinct and thus divest themselves of all further responsibility in the matter. Confronted by this obscure declaration, we are led as pupils in natural history to ask, what is instinct? The following definitions of this much-abused term are perhaps the best to be found in the English language. Instinct is a propensity prior to experience and independent of instruction. William Paley Instinct is a blind tendency to some mode of action, independent of any consideration on the part of the agent, of the end to which the action leads. Richard Waitley Instinct is an agent which performs blindly and ignorantly a work of intelligence and knowledge. Sir William Hamilton now such names as Paley, Waitley and Hamilton stand high upon the roll of honour in the sparkling literature of our language, and yet the words of these great scholars are but as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal when they undertake to tell us what is the real import and inwardness of that occult and wonderful faculty in the mental essence of animals which scientists, by force of circumstances, have agreed to call instinct. Aha! my little sparrow would say, could she speak our language. We perform our actions neither blindly nor ignorantly, as your famous Mr. Hamilton learnedly remarks. But God has taught us to both reason and work according to existing circumstances, from cause to effect. Nay, even as your great logicians would have it a priori, and although five of our little bodies were sold in the markets of Jerusalem for two farthings, not one of us ever fell to the ground without our father's notice. There, that is about the kind of sermon our little bird would preach to the utter discomfiture of human wisdom, which, after all, is but foolishness with God. Verily, 
and in conclusion we declare that it is a libel upon the birds to say that they build their nests guided only by that nameless tendency signified by the common acceptation of the term instinct the humblest creature god has made fulfills some noble wise design and dowered rich with reason's aid it boasts a lineage divine l p venine end of section 15